welcome to the second series of the Marathon Medic podcast. My name's Amy and I'm a junior doctor and running coach based in London. This series is all about strong females, so I'll be chatting to women that I look up to with interesting stories and advice to share. Today I'm sitting down with Dr. Lauren Jacquet. Lauren is a junior doctor as well as a qualified personal trainer and running coach. She's all about the power of a positive mindset and has a passion for health and wellness. Lauren shares her journey into running and coaching, as well as how she stays motivated and motivates others. So welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm so excited. (laughs) Good. I think you're my my most enthusiastic guest I've ever had. So hopefully that's infectious. Um, Could you tell me a little bit about yourself just to start off? Sure. So um, I'm Dr. Lauren Jacquet and I'm also a junior doctor in London. I'm French. (laughs) I've been in the UK for so long, but I still have the accent, so hopefully people can understand me. And um, I'm a keen runner as well. And um, like you, I wear both hats, hats of being a budding coach and um, a junior doctor. So yeah, I'm quite excited yeah, to chat more about this. That's exactly uh, why you're here today. <laughs> and how old were you when you came to the UK and why, why did you move? Well, interesting. I came when I was 18. Um mm-hmm for what I thought was maybe going to be some sort of gap year study, see how it goes. And then 15 years later, I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) And you had, um, I think, a less traditional route into medicine, didn't you? Yes. So um, if I'm honest with you, I always had in mind to do medicine. But I was very insecure, actually, when I was um, a teenager. And the system, the way it works in France is everybody can sort of like go. So the first year is a common year for all the science subjects so whether you want to become a pharmacist or a paramedic um, it's the same first year and everybody goes there and then there's this national exam um, and only at the end of the year you know whether you're going to be accepted into medicine or not i think they only take like a thousand people or something like that the success rate is like something so ridiculous like maybe five percent and I had heard some horror story, like because it's so competitive, how mean people could be, like ripping pages of books. Uh, <laughs> um, like most of these, like it's so intense that for most of it, you then need to go to like special tutoring groups and be accepted in these elite tutoring groups and things like that. Mm. And I have to be honest with you, like when I was 18, I was like, I can't do this. I... I I didn't have the self-confidence to hack the competition. And um and I thought, okay, I see, I'm still very interested in science. Um and I think if you want to do science and research, English is the language to do research. Yeah. So why not spend some time in England so this way I can improve my English um and still learn something. So I came to the UK to study biomedical sciences. And then um, at this point, like many people that do biomedical sciences, a lot of my cohort went into medicine at this point. And again, if I'm honest with you, I didn't have the confidence to do medicine. I was like, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do the competition of medicine. And also I was debt free. (laughs) Yeah. Because when I did my my degree, believe it or not, it was only £1,000 a year. That's how old I am. Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I was also debt free and that was a massive thing, you know? So I was Mm -hmm. like, okay. What can I do? And I really love research. I'm not going to say I didn't. So I carried on to do a PhD, uh, thinking I would just like get another degree, get paid, keep doing research. But this whole like I want to do medicine was still always at the back of my mind. And 
I was working on Huntington's disease and I was working with some clinicians and I was getting quite frustrated. I was like, oh, I'm in the lab and I'm not with the patients. I want to be with the patients and talk to people. Like, I mean, I could talk to myself in the lab, but <laughs> I was a bit like crazy person. I'm <laughs> talking to myself and to talk to other people. So uh, I still remember it was a, quite a defining moment in my life. One of my best friends from um, from uni, from my first uni degree, I guess, was doing the same path as me, actually, and also doing his PhD. And once we just looked at each other, I'm like, we're, we're not happy, are we? Like, we want to do medicine. And we decided to embark into this whole, like, let's apply to medical school together. Okay. So that was so cool to have a friend that also wanted to do this because we both face quite a lot of negativity, you know? It's like, oh my God, you're already doing PhDs, such long studies. Why do you want to do medicine as well? So it was really good to have somebody else in the same boat. And we both applied one year and none of us got through. And so the second year, and then we again looked at each other and we're like, do you still want to do this? Yeah, I still want to do this. Okay, um, let's go for round two. So with my friend Darren, we were like, okay, let's apply for the second year, thinking a bit more strategically, looking at competition ratios, mm. exams, what are we going to do for this? And 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 then we both go, got through. So um, now we're both F2 doctors. <laughs> Excellent. So you both got through on the same year. Yeah, we both got through so the nice. same year. It's meant to be. Having like a, a very like similar journey. And actually, he's also one of the ones at uni who uh, really pushed me to hold my whole running journey. So yeah, Darren has had, has had a lot Huge of impact. influence in my life. And what do you think you've gained actually from having those years out and doing something different and then coming to medicine a bit later on? I personally think that medicine should be a graduate degree. Yeah. I actually feel think about this very strongly. Like it is in, I think, America. Yeah, um, like in America. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that you're just so young when you commit to medicine and then you just you just don't know how long it is. You think it's the whole medical school process, but actually that's just a tiny bit of like you finishing like your training because, you know, we've just been an F1 and F2, so that's two years after medical school. And then depending on your specialty training, you can have another 10 years and that's if you do it full time. It's so long. It's such a commitment. It's funny how many people think that I graduated as a GP. <laughs> I get asked that a lot. Uh, so they think like when you come out of medical school, you're a GP and yes. don't appreciate that actually that's at least another five years yes. down the line. It's, yes. Yeah, it's long and I don't think it's something people should rush the no. process or rush into as well. I agree. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, tell me about your running journey and how, how all that all started. Mm. So in France, we do a lot of sports actually. And... Um, I don't know, maybe at least three, four hours a week um, when you're in high school. And I can't remember how the school before that is, primary <laughs> school or whatnot, but you do a lot of uh, sports and you rotate each year. And then you have, and then once you've done a bit of everything, you can more or less choose what you want to do. So you do things like um, athletics or handball, basketball, swimming. And I realized I'm not that coordinated to do like basketball <laughs> or handball or things like that. But I quite enjoy running. And I don't know, I'm, I would not really say I'm a natural runner, but I really enjoy sprinting. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I would not something I hear many people say. I it's like the really, worst bit for really, me. I, enjoy, I love sprinting, like a good sprint or something like that. So whenever possible, I will always pick um, athleticism and running. And then I went to boarding school and I remember on Wednesdays we were off and we were bored. We were so bored and we had nothing to do but studying. We were not really allowed to go outside or anything, but there was a running track. 
Um, so with my friend Jess, we just on Wednesdays we tended to just like go running around mm-hmm. the running club track and just like chat and then when I came to England and to uni I um, was running but not really taking it that seriously and and I remember my ex-partner was a musician and I could see how it was his real hobby you Mm -hmm. know like playing music being in a band spending some time doing this and I remember saying to him like I don't have a hobby like I I don't know like what can I do in my spare time and he was like well you quite enjoy running so why don't you take it a bit more seriously and that you spend some time and energy running and I was like oh yeah cool okay I I could do this a bit more uh, a hobby and actually train and then I would start running a bit more like with my friend Darren who would run already half marathons while Mm -hmm. I was just running what 10-15 minutes or something like that and that's how I started running a bit more because he kind of like planted this seed in me like why don't you use this as a hobby and then I finished that degree and then I moved to London and I I mean there's so many runners in London you know and that's also where I realized wow this like people people just go running <laughs> and it's such a community as well you tend and it's to such see a community exactly and, yeah. so I was like cool I could do that and I was working in London Bridge and the way I started um I guess everywhere I worked, I almost started a bit of a casual running club. Mm -hmm. So I was working in a research lab and at lunchtime I was like, okay, why don't we sort of like go running? And then we will start between London Bridge and Tower Bridge and then keep increasing our distance one bridge at a time until we could run a lot more. So that was quite cool. And then same, I changed lab. I was more um, near Denmark at King's College London. And again, I sort of like started a little like brunch running club so it's always been a bit about accountability I find mm-hmm. and just like doing something different getting to know people and I'm not sure if you ever came across this documentary about it was some American people how people they when you're running I guess you release some barriers and people can be a, a lot more honest mm. I don't know you share more when you're running you're doing this together um, so it's always been quite 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 cool so yeah that was like so uni and then my working life and then when I went to uni again, in medical school, I was in um, the southwest near Bristol. And it was impossible to stay with a gym because I was always changing hospital and city, depending on my placement. Yeah, I think, again, that's something that we just have to face is that we're moving location all the time and our colleagues change. Yeah. Where we're going changes, our commute changes a lot. So yeah. I can imagine the Bristol spread is actually quite a wide area. Oh my area, God, isn't I was it? between Western Superman, yeah. Bath, Swindon, mm-hmm. Cheltenham, Gloucester, you know, impossible to have a gym membership. Nothing is flexible like that. However, running, you can do that anywhere. Yeah. There's a real flexibility with running. And another person has been uh, very influential when I was in Bristol was actually my late friend Liv, who um, also did medicine as a graduate. And we realized um, that we were both going to run the Bristol Half Marathon on, after just starting medical school. I think one, one month after starting medical okay. school. And then all the graduates, or most of them, came to Cherison. And it was a great way to discover Bristol because I had just moved there like a few weeks prior. And then um, that's how I really made some friends and, and live. And live uh, had been in Bristol for so long before. Really knew it. And Kanak had the same idea of like like medics need something more specific so there was basically there was a running club at bristol university 
But again, it did not fit what medical students needed because we move all the time. So we could not commit to a, a season of running and it was quite expensive. We could not commit to track sessions. So, so we decided, okay, what we want to do is to empower medical students to learn how to run because then they can do this regardless of where they go on placement. And at the time, London Athletics, uh, or maybe not London Athletics, just Athletics England, mm -hmm. rather, um, were looking at promoting running. And Liv was so savvy, she managed to get us sponsored to become um, life in um, running. What is it? What is it? Oh, leader in running leader, fitness. Yeah. Leader in running fitness. Um, so this way we could be insured to take medical students running and then we, we organized a couch to 5K and, and we did it for free um, so medical students could start running. That's such an amazing story. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. That's, and I think it is so important because I think you can feel a bit lost when you get thrown out to these placements in sometimes God knows where with awful accommodation to have something that you can you know, say to the person that you're just ending up in a flat with, let's pick up our shoes and go for a run. Exactly. How was it received? That sounds like a great idea. It was super well received, actually. It's making me quite emotional <laughs> about that. It was very well received. And um, most of us, you know, I think once a week, especially in the first few years of, of, of um, medicine, you have your afternoon for free. Mm -hmm. And people tended to come back to Bristol. So it was also a casual point where people would come back from their placement to Bristol to meet. Um, and then went on placements when I was in Swindon, for instance, or in Bath. And I, I would be uh, exactly like you said, let's pick up the running shoes and let's go running, you know. Mm. And then because people were more empowered, you could have like little satellite, if you want, yeah. of people starting to run. So many other universities would benefit from something like that. Yeah, and it's, it's true. I mean, we didn't try to promote it or to do something mm. with other universities, but um, it, it, um, it continued even after us. And we called it Bums on the Run, Bristol <laughs> Uni Medical Students. <laughs> Bums on the Run. On the, on the Run. And it's still going strong at the moment? Um, I'm not... 100% sure how strong it, it is going. I know that they were a few years back. Sadly, Liv passed away two years ago and mm -hmm. she was a real force for the running yeah. club. And um, uh, yeah, I think um, a lot kept going in her memory, but now I'm not sure if the yeah. new generations are necessarily doing that. <laughs> such that's such a lovely story and something so lovely for her to to leave behind from her yeah it's a real well. legacy actually for the yeah. medical school and then we actually became running coaches as well mm -hmm. again she managed to get a sponsor so i owe her a lot actually to keep yeah. going to to be doing this she got a sponsor because you know as you know runners are prone to injury yeah and Bristol is so hilly. <laughs> you can't avoid a hill in Bristol. So I'm actually from just outside of Bristol. And <laughs> I do running here up hills and then I go home and my mum, she's just, she can power on up those hills. Really? She's so used to it. And I'm just struggling. You're you so right. It's yeah. a very hilly area. It's really hilly. And I think that's another thing that we wanted. We also wanted to to learn more so we can show so we could show some exercises mm -hmm. for runners to support their running actually um became quite passionate like we don't want people to do random workouts from the internet that might not serve them mm -hmm. and then they get injured and then they can't run so let's get ourselves qualified as, as like um running coaches so we know a bit better and then and then on my own i then carried on to become a level three personal trainer again in the idea 
how can people support them running instead of like doing random workouts and then they get injured and then they can't do running Mm. and knowledge is power isn't it exactly knowing what you should and shouldn't do and Mm. how to start is so important Mm. because I think that initial step of starting your running if it goes wrong from day Mm. one you're probably never going to get back Mm. onto it but if you can start Mm. from a strong place and how to personalize it like not just to your fitness but to your lifestyle you know like some people are busy if you look at the marathon training program for instance you will have some that say that you have to run every day yeah some that are like based on three runs a week um some with like just long runs no speed you know so i think it's also being able to cater it to the individual um so you can enjoy it yeah no of course and that's the main reason that most of us run i think is exactly. to enjoy and, and meet the people and socialize and things like that so um how do you manage running with your busy life because obviously you've just mm. finished f2 mm. um everything that's been going on for the last few months you must have been <laughs> quite a busy person uh so how how do you kind of personalize your training mm. and fitness to, to your life so I'm actually just getting back into it. Mm-hmm. So as I said, like my knee has not allowed me to run. So um, I almost got upset with running. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh, I can't run the way I want to. I can't run long distance because I really enjoy long distance. I really love the half marathon distance. Marathon, not so much. Somehow I did it twice, but it's, it's painful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's a big commitment. It's, and it's a big time yeah. commitment. But the half marathon, you can... I don't want to disrespect the, the distance, but you can almost wing it if you have a certain base. Yeah. Um, I don't think you need to necessarily alter your timetable so much, you know. Um, and I got so frustrated that I could not run the way I wanted because of my knee. And then I say because of my knee, but then because of my big fat ego as well. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're being honest. <laughs> I'm being honest. Because then I was like, I got so frustrated. I was like, yeah, I can't... Like, why am I, why do I have to start from scratch? Because you know what? Running, as amazing as it is, is also super ungrateful. <laughs> like, you get to a distance and then you stop and then you're so out of breath and then you can barely run for five minutes. It's like, come on, I just stopped for three weeks. What are you doing to me? You know? <laughs> so, a lot, of, a lot as well was my ego. Yeah. You know, a lot of people that will have known me when I was running regularly doing the running coaches and all they know me as Lauren the runner mm. and they know me oh how's marathon training going or how which race are you doing and to be able to and to say like oh I'm not running I can't run right now or I can't run the way I want I just could not so I was like oh I'm, I'm not running anymore I'm just yeah. in the gym I'm doing weight training things like that you know so for I don't know for a few years I've had this relationship with running that because I I could not get past the way that I had lost so much of my running fitness and then I and 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 because of my ego when I was starting to run again I would run too much and I would Mm. run too fast and I would injure myself again (laughs) and I was just trapped in this vicious circle and then as you quite pointed out the time aspect I I I kind of had it in mind oh if I can't go running for 45 minutes it's not worth it yeah it's so easy to for our life to change and then expect all the other things in our life mm. to catch up with it and you know our running is going to change as our life changes yeah. and there'll probably be periods in the future where you have more time and you can commit more yeah. to it but it's hard you kind of think I want to keep getting better and better and better and life's not like that yeah because I mean over running is super accessible somehow and I don't know where it comes from there are these like criteria of what makes a good runner mm. 
why? I don't know how come it came in my mind when I was training to, for my first marathon that I had to do it under four hours. Where did this come from? Yeah, it's just like a random number that... Why? Yeah. When, it, when running the distance in itself is such an achievement, you know? And there's almost this like random time and I got really trapped into that. So in my mind, running less than half an hour was not worth it. So if I could not carve half an hour, and then because, again, ego, I'm being really honest, mm. I, have to, I have to warm up properly, and then I have to stretch properly, and then I have to foam roll properly. That's one hour. I don't have time to do this. And then it's so easy to just <laughs> And then you just don't yeah. do it. So sometimes I think that perfection can be a form of paralysis and a form of uh, procrastination, and mm. I'm very guilty of this. If I could not have all the perfect conditions for my run and all the time to stretch and front roll, I just would not do it. And I guess as well, that's such an internal thing. It's you yeah. that's putting that pressure on. No one else cares if you run for 25 minutes Who or 15. Who would care? Oh, no you're one. so right. <laughs> Who would care? Nobody. Nobody. And, and who would know? Yeah, yeah again why do you have to put it on freaking Strava sorry <laughs> but you know no it's so true I think why and also I don't know about other people but I can scroll a lot and not really pay too much attention to yeah. people I'm more interested in their nice pictures exactly so yeah we need to kind of step back and think why yes who cares so I've had I think for the last couple of years I've had a lot of like having to get over my myself mm-hmm. basically um and I've only recently um I guess does all this mindset work to put my ego aside and to start from scratch? So I'm doing the couch to 5k. So how did you move from that kind of, oh my God, my ego, I can't go out to thinking, actually, this is, this is silly. Enough's enough. I'm going to do my couch to 5k. And That's almost like another podcast episode, <laughs> you know? So I've, I've, I really, I've been doing a lot of personal development, not just for the fitness, just for different aspects of my mm-hmm. life. And um, I guess I've also been um, treating myself a bit like an avatar, you know, I don't know, like thinking these are all my excuses, but how would I help my client to get over this? And sort of like detaching myself from myself. That sounds so strange. Being a coach for yourself. Yeah, I'm I'm basically coaching myself. I'm basically being my own coach and I enjoy being my own coach. That's Mm. quite cool. a lot has been to find my why. I think it goes back to that. Like, why do I want to run, actually? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's lots of sports. Why why running? And really digging deep and keep looking at the different layers. You know, like an onion, just keep peeling this layer. Why do I actually want to go running? And... Um, Part of it has been like realizing this is actually part of my identity and by letting my ego and excuses get in the way, I'm actually not being that person that I enjoy being. Mm. I enjoy running. I enjoy the running community. I enjoy coaching people running. Um, and I kind of wanted to learn back the Lauren that really enjoys running and that yeah. meets people via that. This is how we connected, you know, mm. via running. And... That's been one thing. The second thing that I'm very passionate about um, is from a medical point of view, um, I realized that I was not meeting the minimum fitness requirement. Mm. So between the pandemic and not going anywhere and not going to the gym anymore and even like not seeing patients face to face like we would, like I, I, I didn't realize like how much movements I do, even just getting off my chair every 15 minutes to go get a patient from the waiting room 
and now I'm not doing this because I'm just, you know, like video calling patients. I realized I was becoming really unfit. Mm-hmm. So part of it also became like from a health point of view. Yeah, which is so important, isn't yeah. it? And there's this whole concept now of sitting disease and how all we yes. do is sit down. And although exercise does counteract that a bit, we need to focus on actually just being a bit more active in the day. And it's so easy to get absorbed. If I'm on the computer, I will not get up until mm. it's done. And that's actually mm. really bad. And we need to think, actually, we need to move my body. A term that I use with a lot of my patients is the term lifestyle prescription. Mm. You know, sometimes I have these conversations with them where I say, yes, taking a pill is easier easier than going for a walk and eating well and all but long term what is going to serve you not just for that condition but for others is if you eat well if you move your body if you be mindful if you're sleeping and then I realized who am I to give this advice and I'm not doing it myself I felt like a real hypocrite Mm. so that was also the second layer again you know I think part of my identity I was like okay there's my identity as a runner but there's also my identity as a doctor promoting a healthy lifestyle and I'm not being healthy I need to find a way to show people or be the evidence that you can do it Mm. I think it was more this because who am I to be saying to patients that are also busy you know yeah and I can't even imagine once you have kids. I mean, that's a whole other layer of busy. Who am I to say to them, yes, go for a walk. It's easy. Take half an hour. And then I don't do it. Mm. Like, yeah, no, who so am true. I to give this advice? It's so much easier to give advice so than easier. to take your own advice. <laughs> take my own advice. That's yeah. it. I had to take my own advice. And so part of this, then I just thought, okay, I, I just need... It's, it's been a real mindset change and again and I guess this is where we're going a bit more into personal training maybe where you need a bit of a personal training Mm. to do things with you so again peeling another layer why am I not going running what's my what's my barrier of going running and digging through this you know so there's been a whole I'm running too fast and I'm running too much okay how can I address this fine let's go to the beginning couch to 5k why okay I'm busy when am I most likely to go running in the morning, I never know what time I finish work or am I finish work on time and then there's an accident on the road. The only thing that really belongs to me is my morning before work. Fine, I need to find the time. How do I do that? Get up half an hour earlier. How can I get up a half an hour earlier? And keep peeling the onion. Why do I snooze? I go to bed too late. Okay, let's address the sleep, you know? Mm. So it's a whole approach and whole mindset and whole work that I've had to do and that I want to do with my clients to then be able to say, okay, now you can go running. Mm -hmm. Because in essence, yes, it's just you pick up your trainers and you go, but but why don't people do it? Yeah, you need to kind of prepare for all those excuses that are going to happen and think ahead. And your environment, I think, is so important. So when you wake up in the morning... I always think I always have to have my stuff out mm. ready, like literally the exact outfit, my running pouch with my bars in that I need and everything's ready. So there's, there's nothing that's going to slow me down. I think, oh, I'm actually too late now. I can't do this. Exactly. Obviously, changing our lifestyle and changing our health behaviours is really difficult. Mm. And, you know, if everyone could stop smoking tomorrow, mm. it'd be great. But it's, it's so hard to change those things. When you're giving that advice to people and trying to make them more active, what are the things that you tend to advise um, just as those baby steps to get in that right direction of taking up running or literally just taking up walking even, whatever it is to get more active? I think, and this is a bit the beauty in GP when you can have like continuity of care. Mm -hmm. 
people need to come to this own conclusion that is going to be good for them. Because, because you're not going to be there. It's, you know, yes, if for your clients as a coach, you're going to be there, yeah? But yeah. for your patients, you're not there. You're not here babysitting them, calling them three times a week, have you gone running? So it, they will have to come to that conclusion. But there are techniques, you know, when you're a bit like interviewing, so mm-hmm. they can a bit reflect, um, asking them, okay, what, what, what do you think could do better? And, and, and people can come to this conclusion, but it might take more than one consultation. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it definitely is like planting the seed is the first step. Planting the seed, which is why they say, you know, regarding smoking, because we mentioned this, um, that you should just mention it to your patients because if they've heard it maybe seven, ten times that different doctors say to them, oh, have you considered stopping smoking? Here's a smoking cessation program. Then they will. Yeah, no, it's so true. Um, So I've also, I will see, follow you on Instagram and I see <laughs> every morning that you're up quite a bit earlier than yes. me, which makes me feel bad. No, um, don't. <laughs> I used to, I used to be so good at getting up early. I need to get back into it because I think it really does set your day up right. And that's why I wanted to talk to you because I think you call them miracle mornings. Mm. So could you just explain a little mm. bit about why you get up so early? So I don't own the term miracle morning. There's an, there's an author, I can't remember his name, that basically kind of like found the principle that, especially nowadays with our phones, like our phones actually just ask us to give attention to others, you know? emails are from other people, mm. notifications from other people and it's to really like in the morning just do something for yourself around the principles of like meditation, mindfulness, gratitude, um, exercising, things like this and um, especially in the last few months I realized oh hang on I do want to go running I probably need to go to wake up even earlier <laughs> in order to fit in the running because again, you know, it's just thinking about what are the excuses, what is stopping you? And when I was quite a bit younger, I could somehow roll out of bed, have a glass of water and go running 5k. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I do not know how I could do that. Now I can't. (laughs) I I can't do that. I can't do that. (laughs) So... So what I've realized is, okay, what do I like to do? Well, I like to take my time. I don't want to feel stressed before going running. Um, I want to have a coffee. Um, So that means just getting up earlier so I have time to have my coffee. And then do the rest of my morning routine, which is like some journaling, gratitude, mindfulness, meditation, all these things. And then usually probably... 40 minutes sometimes one hour has passed and then i feel like alert enough that i can go running okay um so that's been one thing so just kind of setting up your morning again Mm. thinking in advance and basically planning so that you can actually do Mm. your run yeah and not hate every minute because i think that's that's the problem isn't it if you drag yourself out are you really going to enjoy it whereas if you if you need a coffee before you go and you have one and you enjoy your run more yes and then and then part of the journaling is like, okay, how am I feeling right now? Checking with me. Usually, I, my, I answer this question, but I feel mad because I'm like still half asleep. But I'm just thinking, okay, what can make me feel better? What's on my mind? And sometimes I need to be really honest. Like, what will make me feel better right now is probably to go on a run because I'm going to feel accomplished that I've done it. Um, that I'm tapping into, you know, my why, tapping into my identity, tapping into that healthy person, and I'm going to produce some endorphins, and I'm going to feel better. So that's mm-hmm. what I need right now. So that's been also helping to realize that's the one thing that I will need. That being said, 
I'm flexible with it. So this morning I was thinking of going for a run, right? But I was in such a flow of kind of sorting out my life that I was like, you know what? What is going to serve me right now is to continue doing this because I'm in the flow of doing this, which is stressful. And I think that running is probably going to make me more stressed because then I have to shower and then I need to, um, I want to run the couch to 5K and not necessarily cut it short because I won't want to feel stressed about my run. So I just have to do it later on today. And then again, probably it's going to be tougher. I find it difficult in the afternoon or after work. Mm. But again, tapping in my why, I said, I'm going to do it today. I want to do it today, you know? So having some flexibility, but also sometimes facing the mirror, being like, mm, is this an excuse or not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we're all human, aren't we? Exactly. We can't be perfect every no. morning. Sometimes you do need that line. Yes. And sometimes, yeah, this morning I was like, oh, come on, it's Sunday. Let's wake up yeah. a bit later, you know? <laughs> Recently, you had like a 30 days where you really focused on mm. all of these things. And I think that's probably where the Couch to 5K mm. came from. What have you learned most about yourself and what do you think are the bits that you'll continue hopefully past Mm. that 30 days of looking after yourself a bit better well the first thing that i've realized is that healing is a journey that should not have a deadline you actually need to enjoy the journey and not the destination and having this realization is also what has helped me getting back into fitness because a lot of the program quite rightfully that are being out there have a limited period Mm -hmm. this is an eight week program this is a 12 week program this is a 30 day challenge you know and i realized no i don't want to be fit i don't want to be running for 30 days i don't want to be running for eight weeks i'm a runner i want to be running until i'm 16 (laughs) that's what they need they need like a 50 year plan (laughs) exactly yeah so realizing that it didn't have to be in a certain time frame. It didn't have to be constricted. Actually, it gave a lot of release. Mm. It's okay to not have it perfect. It's okay to not do perfectly this eight-week program. It's, 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 it's for life. Yeah. I guess that really goes back to what you why the why of running. So yeah. If you are running for a race, you know, fair enough. Commit to your training program and you'll get, hopefully, mm. to your end goal. But if it's just for, I say just, I don't mean just, Mm. but if it's for fitness or enjoyment, Mm. plans are great, I think, to keep you accountable and motivated. But you don't need to think, I have to do every single part of this plan perfectly because at the end of the day, you're doing this plan to keep you fit and healthy and run, hopefully, for life. Exactly. uh, Well into old age. So you can have like a rolling plan in your head and just be happy with what you can achieve. Yes. And, and, And sometimes... A plan can be great, you, know, you have the structure, you, you, you see your end goal, but then what? And I've done that so many times, this whole stop-start, you know? I would train for a half marathon, and it's like, oh, there's no race. Okay, well, why am I running? Mm-hmm. Okay, stop, and then find another race. Um, okay, let's start again, you know? And obviously now so many races are being cancelled. Yeah, it's really been a chance to, I think, for everyone to reflect on why they're doing yeah. something. And I imagine for a lot of people it was to kind of get outdoors, get some time away from working at home, look after their bodies because, you know, we couldn't go to the gym or Mm. or things like that. So, yeah, part of this 30 days to self-love realization has been, it's not 30 days. (laughs) Life isn't made a 30-day chance, Mm. yeah. Um, 
one weird question for mm. you. Say your free porridge. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried it? No, it you sounds should. awful. No. <laughs> I saw I saw your savory porridge. I thought it sounded awful, but I thought I should ask you about it and decide whether I should give it a go. <laughs> I think you should. Um, look, I'm such a savory person. Okay. I will choose like fat, carb and salt over sugar. Really? <laughs> yes. That's the opposite to me. <laughs> no, I'm really like when I have cravings, I would not... I don't think I would ever crave, oh, I crave chocolate right now. Like, I would crave savory things. And mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure what I did that day. And I don't think it's come from me. I think, you know what, actually, I think it probably comes from Hazel Wallace, the food medic. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure she had done something like this with oats. And I thought that I would, like, give it to go. And it works really well. Um, so what kind of things do you put in porridge to make it savory? So... If you just think about it, it's the oat that becomes quite creamy the yeah. way you cook it. And then I always put some stock, so it can be chicken stock or vegetable stock. So this way, <laughs> so honestly, making me feel sick. <laughs> so this way, this way it has because otherwise it's quite bland. So you do need to season it, otherwise it's going to be okay. very bland. And then I would like maybe do like um, half a grated courgette because that doesn't taste like anything, but it's quite nutrient dense. Okay. Um, and that's it. But I and is it for breakfast or is it? No, maybe for brunch or if I'm really lazy that I don't know what to cook and yeah. this is what I'm waiting for my food shop or something like that okay. because I would always have oats in okay. my house. <laughs> I'm still not sold, but, <laughs> but thanks for explaining anyway. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for uh, sitting down with me and I think your journey into running particularly, I, I had no idea about that. Thank you. I found you. that really interesting. Is there anything you want to add? Um, what do I want to add? Um, maybe, yeah, I would let you reflect, like I did, is your ego getting into the way, you know, like, are you stopping yourself from going on a run because it's not going to be exactly 30 minutes, but you have 25 minutes. And the other question that maybe I would encourage you to ask yourself is, who are you measuring against? Like, who chose that you had to run that certain race or that a certain distance in a certain time. Um, running is obviously a very individual sport. You can do it collectively, but at the end of the day, it's also very individual. So instead of looking at random time target, just set your own. Be better against yourself, not some random people that decide you had to run a marathon in less than four hours. Yeah, and I think that feeds back into the ego thing again, mm. doesn't it? We always probably put too much pressure on ourselves. Yeah, because I'm sure you. I'm sure that you will have complained to people. Uh, oh, this race was not good. Or oh, this time was not good. And people are like, "What are you saying?" Mm. Or you went on the run. I don't care. <laughs> or I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome, Amy. I enjoyed you so much. Thanks to Lauren for coming on the podcast today. It definitely made me think a bit about the things I can improve when it comes to staying motivated and not letting excuses get in the way. Lauren is currently taking a year out of training to focus on lots of exciting projects. So if you'd like to follow her, then you can search at Dr. Lauren underscore on Instagram. I'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast and you can follow along by searching at Marathon Medic or visiting marathonmedic.com. See you next week.